this week on One Body Stewarding God's Creation, Amber Gerritsen talks about her relationship with St. Therese of Lisieux and the miracles associated with this saint. Stay tuned. You're not going to want to miss this One Body Show. Amber is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Ken Billinger. It was December 1996, and Amber Magnet was praying for a perfect wedding to her groom, Jarvis Gerritsen. And to prepare herself for marriage, Amber prayed the novena to St. Therese of Lisieux, and the wedding was truly a miraculous day. And uh, you decide when you hear the story. And Amber, I apologize. I'm, I hope I said your last name, your maiden name correctly. Did I say that right? Uh, yes, you did. Oh, okay, very good. Well, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Of course, you have quite a story to tell and it's quite a story to share with us. And one of the things that's important for people who are listening is we want to get the visual image. So we've posted that uh, your wedding picture on the on our Facebook page. So again, we've been already encouraged people to go to the Facebook page to take a look at that. And kind of help them see the visual and get an understanding of what you're talking about here. So, have you first off? Have you always had a, a devotion to Saint Therese? I wouldn't say that I had a devotion from the time I was a young child by any means. Uh, when I was in junior high school, I had an injury uh, through sports and. So I was not allowed to run, but I was allowed to ride a bike. So during my therapy times, I would just read stories of the saints. And that was really my first exposure to St. Therese of Lisieux. And I don't know, you know, I didn't develop a strong devotion to her necessarily at that point. But looking back, that was kind of one of those times where her story really stuck out to me among all of the stories that I read. When I went to high school, my parents took us on a trip to the Mother Cabrini Shrine in Denver, Colorado, and that is where I got a blue Piata prayer book, and in that prayer book, I was re-exposed to St. Therese. So I've been devoted probably since the age of 17, but not from my earliest days by any means. All right. And uh, so let's kind of uh, take it in, into the next step here. Um, preparing for a wedding. Brides obviously have so much to do, a lot of details to attend to. And, uh, and honestly, a lot of, of brides are probably not r- really thinking so much along the lines of the sacrament itself. Unfortunately, it's about the day and about everything going on. But you prayed a novena to St. Therese. What, what moved you to pray that novena? Well, it, it really goes back to when I was in high school and found the Novena to St. Therese in the Piata prayer book. I had a high school classmate and a teammate on my cross-country team whose father was very sick. He had not been able to work for a couple of months. They had taken him to specialists all over the country, Mayo Clinic, National Jewish, you name it. They had had been everywhere, and they just couldn't get any handle on what 
was wrong with him. So when I came across this novena to St. Therese, I just, something in my heart told me I needed to pray this prayer for my friend. And so, of course, the intention there was for the healing of my friend's dad. It was a traditional nine-day novena. On the ninth day of the novena, my friend's dad woke up feeling better than he had felt in months. He went to the doctor the next day, and the doctor said, well, I don't know what has happened, but there's nothing wrong with you, and you can go back to work. (laughs) So when you have an experience like that, you can see how immensely powerful a prayer is. To this day, I don't know that my friend's family has any idea that I prayed that novena, and and I don't necessarily think that that is important. I just know that they're rejoiceful every day for the healing. But I don't think it's a coincidence either. So as I was looking back at that experience and then trying to prepare not just for a wedding day, but for a marriage, I couldn't think of a better prayer to add to the traditional prayers. And that's really what drew me to offer the novena ahead of our wedding. So tell us about the wedding day as well as the cross that was blessed at your wedding. Share that with us, if you would. Okay. Well, you know, of course, every wedding story could uh, fill a book. (laughs) But there are several things that stand out to me as we're focusing on uh, particularly the miracle at our wedding. Our wedding took place on December 27th of 1996 at St. Joseph's Catholic Church in Flush, Kansas. Not too many people know where Flush is, but it's about 20 minutes outside of Manhattan. And that is the church where my parents were married, my grandparents were married, countless relatives, and it's also where we spent all of our holidays. So as we were looking at a Christmas time wedding, I couldn't think of a better environment and place to celebrate that sacrament. So, of course, because we were living in Great Bend at the time, and my husband's family is all from the Copeland area where we still live. That's uh, about a half an hour from Garden City, 45 minutes from Dodge City. Because of all of that, we were staying here, there, you know, with aunts and uncles and friends and whatnot. And probably I should have known something was happening earlier than I did when the flowers left the floral warehouse in Topeka the day before the wedding, they were perfectly fine. When they showed up at the florist in Manhattan, the burgundy lilies that I had picked out for my bouquet were the only flowers in the entire shipment that were freezer burned. The florist at that time, you know, we didn't all carry cell phones 21 years ago, so she had to make a decision on her own as to what to replace my burgundy lilies with, and she chose burgundy roses. 
Now, St. Therese often sends roses in some form when your petitions are favorably received. And so sometimes it's a scent of a flower, sometimes it's a picture. Uh, In this case, it was actual burgundy roses. I wasn't really thinking ahead at that point as to that being an answer or a sign of an answer to prayer. But as the wedding ceremony went on, we chose to incorporate both the lighting of a unity candle and the blessing of a crucifix kind of in the middle of the ceremony. My husband grew up in a non-denominational Protestant church, but my family has been Catholic from the get-go. So I had been to a Marian conference and had learned about a tradition that grooms in Yugoslavia would carry a crucifix to the altar, and then the crucifix would be blessed by the priest during the ceremony and would be taken home to be kind of a focal point of prayer life in the home. And I have an aunt and uncle who happened to travel to Medjugorje, Yugoslavia, the summer before my wedding. Now, in Medjugorje, at the time, it was believed Marian apparitions were happening, and many, many miracles and healings have happened there. So my aunt and uncle had gone on a pilgrimage, and I asked them to get a crucifix to bring home to be used in the wedding. At... The point where we lit the unity candle, we took a couple of steps down off of the altar a little bit lower and moved to the right, and the altar boy brought the crucifix over toward us from the left side, and the priest came in from the right side, and the photographer was snapping pictures. And that is the point where the miraculous image of St. Therese of Lisieux was captured on film. We know the timing because if you have the pictures that you can look at on the website, you can see the picture on the left was taken just after the unity candle was lit. The picture on the right, the photographer says, was taken less than four seconds after the first picture. Do you want me to describe the picture at this point? Yeah, and if you can, but yeah, but at this point, I certainly want to encourage people to look at the Facebook page, the Divine Mercy Radio Facebook page, where it is posted. And I've got a copy because you have given us uh, several copies of of the cards here with the uh, novena on it. And it is really pretty amazing. I'm going to let you describe the picture, but it is very much amazing. And if, if you can get on the Facebook page of Divine Mercy Radio, you definitely want to do that. And I'm going to let you share the picture and story of it for those who cannot see it. But if you can pull it up on the Facebook page, it'll definitely be worth doing. And it's a little bit easier having that visual in front of you. So, uh, actually, Amber, go ahead and share share the story on the picture or ex- explain the picture. Okay. Well, if you have the uh, privilege of being able to see the altar in the picture, you can see why I chose to get married at St. Joseph. It's just a beautiful, ornate, very old church. 
On, in the first picture, you can see the altar with the altar cloth. You can see the lace. You can see the Christmas garland. In the middle, you can even see the small wire crucifix that has adorned that altar for many, many years. Below the altar, you can see several white poinsettias. You know, as it was Christmas time, uh, there are the poinsettias. And then kind of in the background, you can even see a replication of the Last Supper painting on the, on the back. As you look at that picture, you can see that I did not wear a full veil. I wore just kind of a, a headband with the veil to the back. So you can see all my hair kind of trussed up. You can see the kneelers. You can see the stairs. You can see that we're up maybe on the third stair. In the second picture, you can see the altar boy coming in from the left with the crucifix. But you can no longer see the crucifix on the altar. You can no longer see most of the poinsettias below the altar. You can no longer see the lace on the altar. There is a physical presence that no one in the church saw that day. You can see, if you look between the kneelers, that she is standing altar level, and we are down two or three steps from her. You can see that she is shorter than my husband, even though she's up a couple of steps higher than us. And I'm a little shorter than my husband, but <laughs> not that much. You can see that the image is one of a lady with a longer veil that covers the top of her head and her forehead. And as you look, if you are familiar with the story of St. Therese, you know that she is traditionally seen holding a bouquet of roses. There is a dark spot in the picture that we believe would be the bouquet of roses that she would traditionally be seen with. Well, I'm just I'm just looking at these, and I don't I don't want to interrupt. I want to let you continue to go, but I'm able to look at those on the Facebook page, and because uh, they have the pictures side by side here, it's uh, pretty amazing. And I'll let you continue. Well, uh, I was just going to say some people question the streaks of light in the picture to the right, the picture with the image of Saint Therese in it. And the photographer explains how he knows that there were approximately four seconds between the first picture and the second, because on the first picture, he did not use a filter. But on the second picture, he, he put the camera down and put a little filter on the front of his camera and then snapped the second picture. And he had been a photographer for 20 or 30 years at that point, so he kind of had that down pat and knew how long that would take. Wow. Just taking a look at that. Just pretty amazing. Again, it's on the Facebook page, the Divine Mercy Radio Facebook page. If you want to take a closer look at that, you certainly can on the Facebook page. We're talking this afternoon with Amber Gerritsen, uh, who is sharing the miracle of St. Therese of Lisieux. And um, when did you discover this, that St. Therese was spiritually at your wedding and, and showed herself in a physical way? When did you, um, obviously, as you're going through pictures, was that when it was? Or when did you notice this? <laughs> 
Well, this is kind of a funny story, actually. <laughs> um, I was still in college, still playing collegiate basketball, actually, at Bethany College. And so we were a couple of hours away from Manhattan. I had a bridesmaid who was traveling back to Great Bend, where my parents lived, the weekend after the pictures were printed. So we asked her to take the pictures to mom and dad. And of course, she looked at the pictures and she called me and said, oh, they're awesome. They're great. You're going to love them. You know, I was playing basketball in Wichita the night that she delivered those to my mom and dad. So she just left them on the bar at mom and dad's house. And mom and dad got home, you know, at 11 o'clock or midnight or something very, very late. So mom thumbed through the pictures, but she did not take a lot of time to look at them. She was tired. She said, I can look at them tomorrow. My dad, however, noticed the image right away. And if you have ever had the privilege of meeting my dad, I hope that some of the Great Bend listeners will remember my dad, Dale Magnet. You'll know that he can be kind of a forceful person. He can be a person that when he speaks, you listen. So he somehow managed to compose himself and not push the issue because he really, really wanted to make sure that he wasn't just imagining something. But I, looking back over the years, I've always thought, I cannot believe how hard that must have been for my dad to, to uh, you know, keep quiet about the picture. So the next morning, Mom got up, and Dad said, have you looked at the pictures yet? And she said, yeah, I looked at them. And half an hour later again, he said, have you looked at the pictures? And she said, well, you know, I glanced through them, but I'll get to it. And he finally took her over to the table and he said, have you looked at this picture? And he uh, caught my mom's attention for sure. She noticed the image right away. So the next call that they made, or the first call that they made actually, was to my aunt and uncle that had brought the crucifix home from Medjugorje. They happened to be friends of the photographer and they lived in Manhattan. So it was, you know, kind of the logical place to go for some information. Uncle Dale called the photographer and the photographer said, oh no, this is a photographer's nightmare. There is something in my picture that I can't explain. So he went down to his studio and he started printing pictures right and left. He did black and whites. He did colors. He did enlargements. He did reductions. He tried everything, and every print came out with the image in it. At that point, my aunt and uncle were down at the studio, and they were impressed by the pictures as well. So then it was time for mom and dad to make a phone call to me. And when they called... It was, uh, I had played in Wichita on a Saturday night, so they called on a Sunday, 
and I had a basketball game then again Monday night. So they said, well, we have some news. There's something in one of your wedding pictures, and we're not sure what it is. And my thought, and this is probably going to sound kind of corny, but my thought was, dear Lord, please make this obvious. Don't let it be like, you know, the chicken nuggets that have Jesus's face in them. If you squint right. and hold them up <laughs> at an angle or right. whatever, or the, you know, this, the, oh, maybe if you look at the cloud just right, you might maybe make something out. My prayer at that point was, Lord, just please make it very, very obvious. It either needs to be there or it needs to not be there. So the next night, uh, mom and dad showed up at my basketball game with the photo book. And sure enough, I just knew instantly who it was. I had... I guess I didn't really tell people how I prayed the novena, but my prayer request to St. Therese was that she be there on our wedding day and throughout our married lives to help us through whatever challenges we might have. Of course, I hadn't ever even told anyone about the prayer that I had prayed as a junior in high school for my friend's dad. So I certainly hadn't told anyone that I had repeated the novena ahead of my wedding. But for me, it was clear from the very first second that I saw the photograph that that was St. Therese. At that point, mom and dad shared the pictures with some friends. I went to a Lutheran college, but on my basketball team, all four seniors on the team were Catholic. So it was kind of neat, you know, to sit with the friends and the parents had had become good friends, too. And so they all kind of shared the pictures and and the wonderings of who could this be. And uh, so that's actually where it kind of, I guess, the cat got out of the bag. One of my friends whose mom had said something about it asked me the next day, well, who do you think it is? And I was able to tell her the story. And that was kind of neat. You know, my mom and dad then said, well, why didn't you tell us? And I said, well, why didn't you ask? <laughs> so that's, wow. that's really how, it, how the ball got rolling. Well, that, that's just an amazing story. And looking at the picture, very amazing, too, because it's hard to, it's hard to really, I'm trying to figure out, you know, every way around it, it's pretty hard to to. to figure out, you know, that this isn't certainly, there's an image there without a doubt. What uh, what makes you believe, and I think you probably led into that to some degree, what makes you believe that it was St. Therese? The, obviously the prayers that you had or the, the novena, those things, but uh, any other mm-hmm. thoughts there you want to share? Oh, yes. There, there are many, many reasons that we believe that it is St. Teresa. Uh, the first, obviously, is the bouquet of flowers that... You know, I received the substitution of the roses for the burgundy lilies, I think is a very good example. If you look at her height, you can estimate because of the height of my husband, and the image comes up to about his ear, you can figure that this image is somewhere around five feet tall, which is what they say St. Therese was around five feet tall. 
the bouquet of roses that we can see in the photograph, I think, also speaks well to it. St. Therese took her vow to the convent on September 24th, and my birthday happens to be September 24th. We have had several miracles or, I guess, other kind of instances of proof through other people after the fact. One of the most compelling stories that my dad likes to tell is that some of my mom and dad's friends had been spatting as a couple for about a week ahead of the wedding. And they had driven three hours in a vehicle and hadn't spoken a word to each other. At the point where this photograph was taken, the feeling of love that pervaded the church caused the couple to look at each other. And the husband said, I'm sorry. And the wife said, I'm sorry. And and it was over. It was done. And I just can't help but think that, you know, there's really (laughs) not much of a way to explain that as a coincidence, that it was at that very, very moment that that sense of peace and love came to them. Uh, I'm sure there are more things that I could come up with, but those are the obvious ones to me at, at this point as to why we believe at St. Therese. We need to take a short break right now, but stay tuned to Divine Mercy Radio. Whether you're listening on your radio, computer, smartphone app, or Amazon Echo, please know we'll be right back with more about St. Therese of Lisieux with Amber Gerritsen. We're back on One Body, Stewarding God's Creation. The Miracle of St. Therese of Lisieux. with Amber Gerritsen being interviewed by Ken Billinger. Amber Gerritsen about the miracle of St. Therese, quite an amazing story. I know you talked to the photographer a little bit, and and you mentioned earlier that he he really had no explanation, but what did he have to say about this photograph? (laughs) Well, uh, Doug Smith is the name of the photographer. He has since passed away, but... We did enjoy many conversations about the picture with him. He was actually a Mormon. And so he had no place in his theology for something like this. He tried very much to disprove that the image was there. The most common question is, is it a double exposure? Well, if you look at the color photos, you can see that my dress was ivory and the image is white. You can see a very striking difference in height between myself and the image. You can see that the veils are different. So it couldn't really be a double exposure. Mr. Smith sent both the negative and the camera to 
the top photography studios, I guess, in the country. Uh, he even sent his camera to California to be looked over to see if it could have possibly been a malfunction of the camera. He sent the negative to three or four labs, and they all confirmed that the negative was unaltered and that the camera was in perfect working order. To my knowledge, Mr. Smith never had another image like this appear after our wedding, but I know for a fact that he never had anything happen like that before our wedding. So his uh, take home was, you know, this may not be part of my church's beliefs, but I have no reason to doubt their story that this was St. Therese. Wow, that this was is pretty amazing. special. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I mean, because and, and just getting all that verification from, you know, from the camera, from the negatives, um, really amazing. And uh, when you look at that, you could, yeah, you could, I think you mentioned it earlier. She is standing up uh, on a couple steps higher or looks like maybe on the very top um, right. of the altar there. Wow. Just amazing. I'm, st- I'm looking at the picture again here. It's just it's incredible. I'm um, just looking at the. Uh, between the two. Pretty amazing. So, hmm. Thank you. Our guest this afternoon, Amber Gerritsen, talking on the miracle of St. Therese with her wedding. Uh, if you're looking at the photos, and again, in case you just joined us, I want to maybe kind of catch you up on things if you just tuned in. Uh, go to our Facebook page, and you can look at the pictures on the Facebook page. Go to the Divine Mercy Radio on Facebook and look at the page, uh, the pictures on the page. There's a couple of pictures of wedding pictures here. And both taken within a few seconds, you said, of each other, one with a filter, one without. Now, uh, again, we want to mention, here's another question I guess you might have had on this, and I'm just curious. Did somebody say, Mm -hmm. well, it has something to do with the filter that the uh, photographer put on the camera? I'm sure that question probably came up. Oh, yes, that has come up many, many times. But again, you know, after you have had the verification from several different experts in the field that uh, the negative is unaltered and you have to, you know, take into account we hired a photographer with, you know, 20, 30 years of experience and he said, you know, if you look at that picture compared to, he took a beautiful picture of the outside of the church, he took a couple, you know, during the processional with that filter on, they look the same. The light filtration is the same. So it's very consistent with some of the other pictures. I do think that it adds a little bit of mystery maybe to the picture, but it's, it's very typical, very explainable. That really is amazing. So tell us, uh, obviously, you have a great devotion to St. Therese. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, the little flower? Okay. Well, I think one of the things that drew myself to to the little flower was that she had a very devoted set of parents, but she lost her mother at a very young age. And my mother had the same misfortune of losing her mother when she was young. So that really spoke to me. One of the things that they talk about when you read maybe St. Therese's biography, The Story of a Soul, 
Or you hear other accounts of her life. You know that she could be a little bit temperamental. And I sometimes kind of fight that myself. You know, I think most of us tend to be a little bit self-centered. And her willingness to work on that in her life really spoke to me. She actually went with her dad to visit the Pope. And even though she was not supposed to talk, she asked him for permission to allow her to go to the convent at a younger age than was typically admitted. I I think she was 16, maybe, when she made that request. And so I think that's kind of an interesting story that, you know, she had talked to her bishop, but the bishop wasn't willing to do it. And, and yet when she talked to the pope, things kind of got rolling. She was 24 years old when she died. She died of tuberculosis. Her parents have been canonized as a couple. They're the first couple to be canonized. St. Therese is one of only a handful of female doctors of the church. And what that means is that her teachings are considered to be 100% in accordance with the teachings of the church. There is nothing in her writing that has any gray area or or leaves any question as to whether she's in line with the church. Uh, Her biography was written at the request of her sister, who was actually her mother superior in her convent. Gosh, I'm sure there are many, many other interesting things to say, but (laughs) I think that kind of covers the basics. Well, and you did talk about some of the similarities between your life and St. Therese. You talked about uh, a couple of different things. Anything else you want to share there? Did you get those covered? I I didn't want to jump too far ahead here. Yes. No, that's fine. I I think I pretty well covered most of the similarities. I I do think that it is uh, kind of interesting that St. Therese seems to pop up about everywhere I go. (laughs) Uh, We find pictures of her almost everywhere we travel. You know, wherever we attend church, we find a picture or a statue or something. It's it's amazing how evident she makes herself. I think that, uh, you know, one of my favorite lines from her biography is that she said she would spend her heaven showering roses upon the earth. And... And I think she's true to her word. She's done really many, many miraculous works for people that I know and people that I don't know. If anyone is interested in reading some more, if they have read her biography, The Story of a Soul, that is a really good read. But one of my favorite things is our story was included in a book called The Shower of Heavenly Roses or Shower of Heavenly Roses by Elizabeth Ficacilli. And that book has just countless stories. I don't know if there are 50 stories or how many anymore about St. Therese's interactions with people and answers to prayer and and miracles and so if anyone is interested in learning more not just about our wedding miracle picture but 
other stories. That's a really beautiful collection of stories. We are talking with Amber Gerritsen this afternoon, who is sharing the miracle of St. Therese and how Therese has uh, impacted her life. Of course, uh, some miracles in her life with St. Therese. What if, uh, Amber, what have you and your father done to share this blessing with others? What are some of the things you've done there? Well, my dad has given countless, countless talks. Probably the easiest example of something that we have done is my mom and dad and my aunt and uncle that had gone to Yugoslavia and brought the crucifix home made prayer cards. And you have some of those at your studio uh, for anyone who would like one and and we can get you more anytime you need them the second photo just the one with saint therese in it is on the front of the prayer card and then on the back of the prayer card is the novena which we prayed it's a very very simple novena very straightforward the way that you pray it is you say a glory be And then you say, St. Teresa of the Child Jesus, pray for us. You repeat that 24 times, one in honor of every year that she lived. You do that for nine days. It's all explained on the back of the prayer card. I think that's probably the most obvious way that we have shared this story. Another is that my aunt and uncle, who uh, were involved in all of these other stories, had a large collection of relics and they have traveled all across the country sharing their relic collection with churches and individuals and they always share the story and so that has been promoted in many many churches in nearly every state in the country Wow, that's uh, that's that's awesome. Now, um, we just we did get a question from a listener, and I want to jump to that here. So, um, okay. and put you on the spot a little. No, it's not a big deal. Promise you that. <laughs> a listener asked if uh, that if Amber ever thinks about meeting Saint Therese in heaven someday, and what you would say if you met Saint Therese. Oh yes, I just envision her being right there as part of the front line of the welcoming committee. <laughs> I just cannot imagine how amazing it's going to be to have that opportunity to to meet her and i think probably the thing that i would say is uh, thank you for allowing me to help share god's love through you one of my favorite parts of the photographs as you look at them you'll see that it's my back and my husband's back They're not our faces. This is a story about God and God wanting to bless people. God wanting to care for his people. It's really not about Jarvis and I. It's really about God's love as evidenced in this photograph. That he loves us so much that the crazy prayer of a 21-year-old girl to invite a nun that's been dead for a 100 years to her wedding, he takes it to a whole level above and beyond what your wildest dreams could be. And so I guess I would just, I would say thank you for allowing us to be part of 
your story of love. Very good. Well, one of the other questions that I have for you, uh, Amber, is uh, any stories of people who have been touched by your blessing from St. Therese? Is there uh, any, I think you might have shared a couple of things earlier, but um, any any stories there, people touched by that blessing? Well, you know, I really wish my dad were here because he has some really, really neat stories. One of them, for the listeners in the Great Bend area, and I don't know, maybe even in Hayes, you might have seen Anita Cochran on TV many years ago as a news reporter. Oh, yes, she was on in Hayes. Yep. Okay, very, very good. So you guys can maybe kind of put a, a face to this story. She lost her mother, and it was a very, very sad time for her. And on the way out of church one day, she found a, you know, she just had prayed that she needed some kind of a sign that everything was going to be all right. And on the way out, she found a prayer card in the parking lot. And she said she just broke down in tears and she just knew that that was St. Teresa's way of just confirming to her that, yeah, it's going to be all right. And, (laughs) you know, we're going to be able to to get through this and uh, you know if you get to hear my dad tell a story he he's the one that spoke with her so he knows the story a lot better than i do but it's a really beautiful testimony wow that's awesome any any others you have to share or is that well um you know i haven't really heard of any necessarily miracles of this scale they're all really Along the lines of, uh, I was in church, there were no flowers around, and all of a sudden I got a scent of roses. And I know that that was a sign that St. Therese had heard my prayer and was answering it. You hear stories of people who receive roses unexpectedly, Uh, from a friend, you know, somebody is just passing by them on the street and says, hey, I have an extra rose. Here you go. And they had been praying to St. Therese. Those are the kinds of stories that I just really love because I think they're just ways of God working through ordinary human beings to share this uh, miraculous gift of love that transcends time and space. And again, just uh, for our listeners uh, to kind of share uh, what what's going on. Again, if you just joined us, you can take a look at the Facebook page, uh, Divine Mercy Radio Facebook page, and those uh, the pictures are posted there. Amber's talking about here of her wedding. Amber, I guess the one other quest, quick question that I'd, I'd like to ask, because we still have a couple minutes left, is we, one thing we haven't really talked about was your husband's reaction or your husband's thoughts. <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, initially, he didn't say too much the first day or two. One of my favorite questions is, uh, if you prayed this novena, why is she standing next to me? (laughs) 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 So that's always one of my favorites. But my husband has joined the Catholic Church, but he's an amazingly beautiful soul. He just is a wonderful, wonderful person. So he he never questioned my story, 
you know, I have some other interesting stories, not just related to St. Therese, but we had been snowmobiling one Christmas, and uh, I was riding on the back of my sister-in-law's machine. As we went around a corner, the snow gave out from underneath us, and the snowmobile, my sister-in-law landed on the on the roadbed, and I was hanging off the side of the mountain watching the snowmobile break into pieces, and I felt my guardian angel push me back against the mountain to keep me safe. So he kind of knew he had had some uh, pretty remarkable experiences before we were married. So I, I don't know that it surprised him a whole lot. His family really was very accepting from the beginning of the story. You know, I think we may not all share common understandings of why God gives us the examples of the saints and how they can be just such powerful intercessors for us. But at the same time, I think that, you know, God's love is is just so much a part of the story that it's kind of hard to deny it. And the fact that it was very, very obvious was also a real blessing <laughs> in that in that light because, you know, it didn't give you a whole lot of wiggle room to argue that, no, there's nothing there. And I think it's pretty obvious. No doubt about that. What a what an incredible story. Well, we certainly appreciate uh, you sharing your story with us and sharing the photos with us as well. And we were able to get them on the Facebook page for people to, to reference and really pretty quite amazing. And uh, we're just um, thankful for you to share the story with us this afternoon. Any, uh, we've got about one minute. Any final uh, comments before we wrap it up? Oh, I just think that one thing we need to take away from this is that if you don't understand something, ask. If you are not sure about something, ask. You know, it's amazing to me that it took a couple of days, well, really three days, before anyone asked me, who do you think this is? And I think that If we could open our hearts to God's love working in not the traditional ways, but in God's ways, that we would all be richly, richly blessed for it. So I I would just say, if you don't know something, ask. All right. Very good. Well, we appreciate your time this afternoon and sharing your story with us. And and, uh, uh, have a blessed day. And and, uh, thanks for sharing your story. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's One Body Show, Stewarding God's Creation. In this year, April 2023, Mother Angelica would have been 100 years old. We're celebrating Mother's birthday by ending the local shows with a notable Mother Angelica quote. Mother said, Don't be afraid to be frustrated. Look at me. I take a lot of Maalocs. Somebody said to me not long ago, I'm surprised that a woman of great faith would have to take Maalocs. I said, my friend, my stomach doesn't know about my great faith. You're listening to the Network of Stations of Divine Mercy Radio, based in Hayes, Kansas. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts.